you have a Bible, we're gonna go to 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're gonna continue in our series on relationships. And I have really enjoyed not only preaching this series, but the preparation that is going into these messages have been really eye-opening for me. And I saw something uh, last night uh, just as we were sitting watching uh, Georgia and Auburn. Uh, <laughs> and uh, I was just kind of going over a story that I'm gonna share with you today. And God really revealed something to me that I, I, hadn't, I had never seen before. You've probably seen it before, but <laughs> I'm not as smart as you. So uh, I hadn't seen it before. And so it really encouraged me. I'm just excited to share this word with you today. So 1 Kings chapter 19, and we're gonna preach a message this morning called, Why Are You Here? Why are you here? Why are you here? First Kings chapter 19, and we're jumping into the middle of a story involving Elijah, who was a prophet. In other words, he would declare what God was saying from heaven to people in the earth. And uh, he had a very difficult job, and his job could seem very, uh, very isolating. He could, he, a lot of the Old Testament prophets had this condition of uh, always feeling like they were by themselves and alone. Uh, one was called a weeping prophet. I mean, they just, they had difficult lives and, and Elijah is no different, but Elijah is handling it in a, in a real negative way that's starting to affect his life. And so we kind of jump into a story after he has gone to war against 850 of Ahab and Jezebel's prophets, Elijah has defeated them. God has been faithful to him. And then after they are killed, the Bible starts in 1 Kings chapter 19 and tells us this. It says that uh, uh, Jezebel actually sends a letter to Elijah threatening his life. So this is where we're picking up. Elijah has just won a great victory. He's on cloud nine. And then all of a sudden, this is what happens. The Bible says this, 1 Kings 19 and verse one, it says, he replied, I have been very zealous. I'm sorry, I jumped too far. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he, when he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some baked bread over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and he drank and he laid down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected you, your covenant. They've torn down your altars and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. And now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. Is there anybody thankful for the gentle whisper of heaven today? 
The Bible says this, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, not something new. He asked him the same question. What are you doing here, Elijah? You must not have heard me the first time. So to get your attention, I'm going to send an earthquake. I'm going to send some wind. It's going to get really wild. And then I'm going to ask you the same question. What are you doing here? Watch this. He gives the same answer because nothing had changed. He said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me to verbatim. He says the same thing. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat, from Abel Mahola to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazael, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. <laughs> he keeps thinking he's alone, and God's like, why are you here? I'm alone. And God's like, no, you're not. As a matter of fact, I want you to go find three men who are going to do some incredible things. And I also want to remind you that I reserve 7,000 people whose knees have not bowed to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. Is there anybody grateful that even when you feel like you are alone and you feel like you are all by yourself, come on, your feelings are a liar and you are never alone. You are never by yourself. There is always not only a God who loves you and is for you. But the Bible teaches us that there are more for us than against us. So who can be against us? If God is for us and if thousands are for us, come on, then who can be against us? I want you to just look around this room. You are not alone. You are not by yourself. Loneliness is a liar. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna expose loneliness for what it is. And we're believing today that not only are you going to hear a message and be challenged and convicted, but I believe today that God is going to rescue some people who are on the edge of destruction, on the verge of giving in, right at the point where they're ready to walk away. God, I believe, is going to grab you with his hand and rescue you today and bring you back into relationship and fellowship so that you can see who you really are and the value that you truly have in the kingdom of God. Is there anybody thankful for a God who rescues? He came to seek and save that which was Lost. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we ask over these next few moments, you would speak clearly to us. We need a word from heaven. In Jesus' name, we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 I just, I don't do this a lot, but I want to share with you some things that uh, research has proven. There was a study done by a health company called Cigna, and uh, they released a study just recently that said a few things, and I want to share these things with you. They're about loneliness. Um, the, their study discovered that half of Americans say they feel lonely, they feel left out, and that no one truly knows them. Uh, loneliness, this is another discovery they made, loneliness and isolation are more dangerous than obesity and can be as damaging to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Not only is it a psychological problem, it is a structural problem. Families are getting smaller, People are getting married less and at an older age. They're having less children. Abortion 
is a part of the construct of our structure. And this is leading to a massive increase in people living alone. They found in this study that friendships can reduce the risk of your mortality to certain types of diseases and certain types of illnesses, and that people who have close relationships recover faster than those who are without close relationships. Why is this? This is because not only were they able to prove this medically, this is because of the way we were designed. We were not designed to be alone. Loneliness is a liar. The Bible teaches us that even though Adam and God had a relationship like no other, a closeness like no other, that God looked at Adam and he thought Adam was alone. Even though Adam had God himself as a relationship, as his closest friend, God said about Adam that it is not good for man to be alone. So what did he do? He created a relationship for him. He gave him Eve as a relationship. Whenever you start to be led by your emotions, whenever you start to be overtaken by your emotions, one of the first things you and I do is we retreat. Loneliness and isolation are allies. They work together. And we tend to retreat or pull back, not because we truly want to be alone, but because we want to see, will anyone reach out to us? Do we really matter? Does anybody really care? And so we run to retreat, we run to isolation, we run into loneliness because loneliness is a friend. Loneliness makes us feel better about our condition. Loneliness puts us in a position to where now it's not my fault, it's everybody else's fault because nobody called me, nobody reached out to me, nobody wrote me a letter, nobody emailed me, nobody liked my picture, nobody commented on my stuff. And now we retreat to loneliness as a way to cure our loneliness and this is destructive to our lives. It's destroying us, not just mentally and emotionally. It's actually proven scientifically that this is killing us physically as a nation. Loneliness. Never more connected, but more alone. Never with more friends, but not true relationship. You got thousands of people that you follow on Instagram and thousands of people that are your friends on Facebook and social media, but very few true relationships and friendships. And this is socially killing us. This is mentally killing us. This is physically destroying us. And I love this story because this story is connected to a man who has so much power, who is so close to God, but he's still struggling so deeply. I love it because it gives me hope. If this guy can hear from God the way he heard from God, and see God the way he saw God, and do what he did for God the way he did for God, then that brings hope to me. Because if Elijah, if Elijah struggled with loneliness, and I struggle with loneliness, and you struggle with loneliness, then that means there's hope for us. Because if it was just on bad people that struggle with loneliness, or messed up people that struggle, or mentally ill people that struggle with loneliness, then you and I, and many of us, would not have this, this commonality with, with anybody. But thank God that the Bible teaches us that even Elijah, even this man of God, who could call fire down from heaven, struggled and battled with loneliness. So it gives me hope. Because I don't feel like something's wrong with me or God doesn't love me or God couldn't use me or God has abandoned me. No, he was, he was close to God, but he still felt lonely. He was hearing directly from heaven, but he still felt like he was by himself. Man. I want to give you like a li just a little bit of insight 
into where loneliness begins. And it's not going to feel good at the beginning, okay? Because loneliness truly finds its place in pride and self-righteousness. And we have turned isolation into a spiritual discipline and loneliness into a virtue when these are conditions that God never designed us to stay in. God has designed us for community. He has designed us for relationship. He has designed us that one puts a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. When one falls by themselves, Ecclesiastes says, no one is there to pick them up, but if someone is there to pick them up, then they are rescued. Two are a tough fight, but you put three people together, you're in for trouble. I just want you to know today that you are not unique, you are not special because you feel like isolation is a virtue. You were not designed that way, you were not created that way, you were designed for fellowship and community. Loneliness is a liar. It's not your personality. Some people are like, it's just my personality. I was just, I'm just different. I'm just, I was created to be alone. No, you weren't. God himself is a community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He himself is three in one. You were created, designed in his image. You were created for contact with people, communication with people, ears to hear, a mouth to speak, arms to hug, hands to hold. This is how you were created. Loneliness begins its journey in self-righteousness and pride. Elijah, let's just kind of jump into a little breakdown of his psyche for a minute. And we can see ourselves really clearly. He's, he's fighting a different fight. He's battling prophets, but it's, it's the same fight. He's fighting a different fight. He's battling a king and his, his horrible wife, Jezebel. But it's the same fight. It's the same fight for all of us. Watch, watch Elijah as, as he encounters in 1 Kings chapter 18, he encounters a man named Obadiah, who Obadiah, the Bible says, while Jezebel was killing the prophets, took a hundred of them and put them in caves, 50 in one cave, 50 in another. And he had been feeding these prophets and taking care of these prophets. And he gets to Elijah and they're having a conversation and Elijah's doing his all, I'm all alone thing. And Obadiah's like, but didn't you hear what I did? While she was killing the prophets, I actually rescued a hundred of them. And I've been feeding them and taking care of them. Did you not hear about what I did? Elijah overlooks this conversation. He gets to Ahab and he starts to have a conversation with Ahab. And he begins a conversation in 1 Kings chapter 18 talking about, hey, I'm all by myself. I'm all alone. I'm the only one serving God. I'm the only one who stayed faithful. I'm the only one still going at it. No, you're not. You're not by yourself. Not only did Obadiah tell him there were 100, but God would remind him in the next chapter that there are actually 7,000 people who have still not bowed their knee to Baal. And I've got three really close relationships that I'm going to put in your life that are going to take care of some of your enemies for you. You're not alone. You are not by yourself. But self-righteousness and pride wants to feel like we're in this all by ourselves. We want to feel like I'm the only person. There's, there's two ways we feel this. We either feel this in a, in a self-righteous way where we're like, I'm the only one who really loves God, so I'm gonna have to get away from all the people who don't love God. 
Because I'm the only one who's really serving God. I'm the only one who's really worshiping God. Sometimes we stand in a service and we look around and our hands are raised and we're like, well, I'm the only one really going at it this morning. Or we dance. I'm the only one dancing this morning. Why isn't everybody else loving Jesus and serving Jesus like I am? Why am I the only one serving God? Sometimes we think we're the only one going through what we're going through. Like you're the only person who ever got a bad report. You're the only person whose marriage ever failed. You're the only person who ever lost a loved one. You're the only person who ever got sick. And that is pride. And that is not comfortable to hear right now because your flesh wants you to wallow in the report you got, in the situation that you're in, in the rejection that you feel. But God wants you to come out of that and realize you are not alone. There are 7,000 that still haven't bowed their knee. There's another 100 in caves. There are people going through what you're going through right now. And if they can make it, you can make it too. If they can survive, you can survive it too. And it's pride that says, I'm the only one. I'm the only one that's ever got that report. I'm the only one whose marriage has ever failed. I'm the only one whose kids aren't serving God. I'm the only one who's... No, you're not. You are not by yourself. Loneliness is a liar. And and, and the reason loneliness does this to you and the enemy uses loneliness to fight you is because you start to believe stuff. You start to believe lies like this, like no one cares. No one cares about me. No one, no, no one cares. I'm, 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 I'm all by myself. I'm the only one going through this. And nobody cares that I'm going through this. You start to believe stuff like, no one would miss me. No one would miss me if I was gone. Nobody would care. Nobody would notice if I didn't show up. Nobody would. You start to believe stuff like, you know what? What I do doesn't matter. It's not having an impact. It's not changing anybody's life. I'm trying my best. I wrote a book. Nobody wants to read it. I write a blog. Nobody wants to follow it. I say stuff on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook and nobody likes it or retweets it or talks about it. What I do doesn't matter. And here's the problem. You start to, you start to think that God cares about numbers. Number of likes, number of followers, number of people that you have influence on how big your impact is, how, how, how much money you have, how big your house is, how, your title that you carry at your job or in the community. You start to think that God cares about that kind of stuff. And God doesn't care about how many people follow you on social media. God doesn't give a rip how big your car is or your house is. God doesn't care what your title is because it's not King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He doesn't look at you and respect you. Oh, oh I didn't know you were a doctor. I'm sorry. I'll talk to you different than I talked to the pharmacist or I talked to the clerk. I'm just, I didn't know you were a, I didn't know you were a therapist. I I didn't know you were a professor. Oh my goodness, goodness me. Oh my gosh. He didn't care about any of that. Do you know what God cares about? Faithfulness. That's all he's, that's all he's looking for. When he comes to the earth, all he's going to be looking for is faith. He's not gonna be looking for the size of this church. He's not gonna be looking for the size of your bank account. He's not gonna be looking for the clothes that you wear. He's not gonna be looking for how much influence you have or how many people followed you or how many people did you get saved or how many people did you lead to church. No, he just wants you to be faithful to do what he's called you to do, where he has called you to do it, how he has called you to do it. That's it. He just wants you to be faithful. And if your impact is just one person, then that one person that you impact matters. I'd be like thinking that Billy Graham matters more than the person who led Billy Graham to Jesus. 
to some country preacher you don't know anything about. But because he led one, millions came to the, I just want you to know you could be making a difference in one life that's gonna change the world. You have, you, have, you have no idea what your impact is. You're more influential than you think you are. When you're not around, people notice it. When you go and retreat, people notice it. People care. Nobody cares. Nobody hears me. Nobody sees me. Nobody's worried about me. What I do doesn't matter. We were doing a camp here for years. Called it between the camps because it was in the winter season. Right after Christmas, we would have a camp here. And at the beginning, kids from all over the country were coming. We would have two, 300 kids sometimes. A few years in, we started to struggle as far as who was coming. And it got so low one year, there were like less than 50 people coming to the camp. And I really wanted to cancel it because we weren't gonna make budget. And it was, it was rough. One of the speakers had to cancel. It's just rough. And I was like, you know what? We're three weeks out. Nobody's coming. Speaker just canceled on us. You know, the numbers aren't high. The numbers aren't there. It's probably not gonna make a difference. But we did it anyway. 40-some people showed up, had it in this room. Could you imagine 40 people in this, in this room just trying to have church? This entire room was empty. You're just looking at basically these first three rows of people. It was, it was discouraging. I preached like I'm preaching now, I don't know any other way to preach. I was preaching like this when I was 20 years old to 12 kids in that building over there. That's the only way I know how to preach. So we're going hard. We're having altar ministry. People are praying. And we're not thinking, you know, I'm just like, oh, man, it's not really. About a few weeks later, I get one letter. I'm sitting in my office. I'm, I'm whining. <laughs> Nothing happened. Nobody cared. Nobody saw. Nobody noticed. I get a letter in the mail and it's from a young girl who said, you know, my mom actually had to drag me to the bus. I had to be drugged to the bus to get on the bus to come to your camp. Like, I'm not kidding, she drugged me. It wasn't like, it's not, I'm not exaggerating, she drugged me. And on the way to your camp, I had made up my mind that when I get there, I'm gonna kill myself. And God got a hold of that person's life while they were here and changed them and sent me a letter. Just said, I want you to know that if it didn't make a difference to anybody else, it made a difference for me. It changed my life. If it's just, if, if only one person reads your book, if only one person sees your post, if only one person, it's worth it all. Somebody is watching, somebody is listening. It mat you matter to somebody. Oh, I don't matter. Yes, you do. You matter. And so God would ask, what are you doing here? Why are you in this cave of isolation and loneliness? Oh, man, nobody, 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 nobody. No, no, that's your pride because you're not by yourself. No, that's your, that's your self-righteousness because you're not by yourself. And then, and then it gets to this point where it's like, oh, well, it's their fault. If they would have invited me, if they would have sent me a, a card, if they would have called me, if they would have noticed me. Sometimes you don't know that the same people you're waiting to notice you are the same people waiting for you to notice them. 
Have you ever noticed that when somebody says nobody spoke to me, that the common thing in all of that is that you obviously didn't speak to anybody yourself? Nobody talked to me. Well, did you talk to anybody? So you get mad at people for the same thing that you're accusing them of? That sounds like self-righteousness to me. And he's like, oh, Jezebel, she's chasing me down. Bro, you just killed 850 prophets. This is not about Jezebel. This is about you. Because the Bible teaches this in Proverbs. It teaches us that whoever wants friends, all you got to do is be friendly. At some point, somebody's going to like you. And until then, do what the book of Matthew said. If you go somewhere and they don't receive you, leave that house, shake the dust off of your shoes and go to the next town. But there is a town, there is a person, there are some people, there is a connection, there's a community that is meant for you. Every time a door closes, that just means another one's opened up down the street. Stop trying to call fire out of heaven like the disciples. They wanted to go into a town one time in Samaria and they wouldn't, they wouldn't take them in. And they're like, can we just kill them all? They won't take us. God said, no, there's a town down the road. Goodness gracious. <laughs> it's not their fault. It just means there's somebody else that God has intended for you. The other night I was out with some people. I was out with, it was just a couple weeks ago. First Wednesday, we had the Hope is Here tour and I was out with Chad Veach and his crew. We went out after the service and uh, I'm, I'm sitting at the table and I'm looking around and there's all his crew and, and Chad and we're having, we're having just a good time. And, and then I look over and there's a, there's a guy from, from our church. It's Joel. You know the guy that brings the pulpit up? You probably don't even see him. He's such a ninja. He just like slides across boosh, and like disappears in the corner. And of all the people, I'm like, how did you get here? Like, you don't know. These people are from California. This is their first time in Tennessee. How did you get here? And they're like, oh, man, we love Joel. Joel's like our best friend. I'm like, what is happening right now? Like, I just, I just want to be the type of person that just keeps inviting myself until somebody's like, yeah, come on out to, with us. We're just going to Applebee's. It's not like VIP. It's Applebee's. It's a public place. Hey, you hear a bunch of people from the church or going to Cheddar's after church? Just show up randomly and be like, wow, didn't know you guys were going to be here today. Can I sit with y'all? Like, if you want friends, the Bible says make yourself friendly. Just keep pressing your way into relationship. Keep pressing. See, your, your fears want you to run and hide. Nobody invited me out. Nobody asked me. But God's faith says, I'm going to run towards relationship. I'm going to run towards friendship. I'm going to go sit in a Starbucks until somebody sits with me. Free Wi-Fi and get some work done. And I'm just going to sit here until somebody's like, hey, you and me. Yeah, let's do this. Let's, let's have a convo. You have to press your way into relationship. You can't, you can't hide in a cave. And some people are just like, oh man, I'm just in a cave season. <laughs> just, just, in, just in a cave season. I just, I'm just, it's just me and the Lord. And, you know, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just really on a, I'm on a spiritual journey right now. And I, I love this because Elijah kept, kept announcing his zeal. And when you have to announce your zeal, that's because your zeal isn't obvious. When you have to announce your fasting, it's because you're not fasting for the right reasons. When you have to announce your giving, it's because you're not giving for the right reasons. If you have to announce your serving, it's because you're not serving for the right reasons. So every time you have to announce, oh man, I'm on fire for the Lord, it's because you're not really. 
I just, I just, you know, I didn't tell anybody, but like, I wanted to tell you just because you know me. Like, I gave, I gave, a, I gave a ten thousand dollar check to the church, you know, like, <laughs> just anonymously. Like, it ceased to be anonymous the moment you told people. I, I, you know, I, I didn't want to make it a big deal, but I just wanted you to know behind the scenes, like I'm really going hard after God, like I'm fasting, <laughs> I'm praying, I'm seeking the Lord. I'm, and, and, and like, I haven't seen you at church. Oh, it's just because I just needed, a, I just need a cave season. I, I just needed a cave, just me and Jesus. No, God said it's not good for a man to be alone. Oh, I just, me and God, we got our own thing going. No, that's not the way he created it. He said, he looked at you and he said, it is not good for you to be alone. So he gave you a person to have relationship with. Oh, just me and the spirit. Yeah. No, you're weird. It's just, it's just weird. <laughs> Stop it. I just need to, I just need to get out. I just need to get out from, you know, the lights and the, I just need to get out from the haze machines and I just need to be by myself. No, no. It's called the house of God. It's a house because more than just one person is designed to live in it. It's a, it's a house because it's a home for many. And this didn't stop in Elijah's life. This continued until Elijah died. When, when Elijah is in this cave whining, God says, hey, I want you to go get three people. I want you to go anoint this guy king, anoint this guy king, and I want you to pick this guy as a prophet. They're gonna take care of some things for you. I want you to build a team of people, put a team of people around you. And Elijah, he's, he's just like, okay, fine. He gets up, he goes, and this is, this is, how, this is how good of a friend Eli, Elijah is. This is how communicative Elijah is. He, he, when he picks Elisha, the Bible says he walks by, he throws his mantle on him, and he just keeps walking. Like, if you want to be my friend, let's go, my God. God told me to pick you. Okay, let's go. And we spiritualize Elijah. Like at the end of his life in 2 Kings, when, when the Bible says that Elisha is following him and he says, hey, Elisha, I want you to stay here because God has called me to Bethel. Just want you to know whatever God calls you to, he doesn't call you to it alone. I want you to stay here. He did this in 1 Kings chapter 19. He left his servant and he went to the cave. Here he goes again. Some people have taught, this is what I'd never seen before. Some people have taught like, oh, you know, Elijah's trying to teach Elisha a lesson about loyalty and about staying near. And it's like, no, that's not what's happening. What is happening is Elijah is doing what Elijah always does. He's trying to isolate himself. He's trying to leave his servant here so that he can act like I'm the only one going to Bethel. I'm the only one going to the house of God. I'm the only one going to Jericho. I'm the only one going to Jordan. And the problem is that you can't go to Bethel and you can't go to Jericho and you can't go to Jordan alone. Bethel is the house of God. You can't do church by yourself. It is not a church if it's just you and a steeple in a corner meeting all by yourself. That is not a church. You can't do the house of God by yourself. And then he said, stay here. I'm going to Jericho. No, no you can't go to Jericho by yourself because Jericho is a place of victory. You can't win by yourself. You want to go. And then he goes, and he goes, stay here. I'm going to Jordan. You can't go to Jordan by yourself because Jordan is the place you cross over. You can't cross over by yourself. You were never intended to cross over by yourself. If you go over by yourself, then you didn't do what God called you to do. He never wanted just you to be saved. He wanted you and everything connected to you to cross over with you. You were not created to do it alone. And I love Elisha. Elisha's like, Joel, no, I ain't, I ain't staying here. I'm going to Applebee's, bro. 
Come on, stand on your feet. And this morning, you got to make up in your mind. I'm not retreating to loneliness and isolation. I am pressing into relationship. I'm pressing in because I cannot do this by myself. Real quick, I want to give you three relationships to surround yourself with. Something practical for you to leave with. Number one, you need the three types of relationships Jesus put in his life when he was building a team. First is this. You need a John. John is a champion of people. Jesus had Peter, James, and John. These were his three closest friends. He had a John. John was a champion of people. He was a nurturer. He was a people first. If he was a businessman, he would say stuff like this. People over profit. People are the priority. You need people in your life that are going to fight for relationship. They're going to fight to be in relationship with you. They're going to they're be the person that leans on you when you watch movies together. They're going to be the person that when you disappear, they're going to call you and they're going to seek you out. And you know what? You need to be this type of person for somebody. You can't be all of these, but maybe you're a nurturer. Maybe it's your gift to lean in, to be a champion of people. Maybe you love hugging. Have you ever, you ever, you ever like tried to shake somebody's hands and they're like, no, we don't do handshakes around here. We do hugs. And you're like, gross, get off of me, you weirdo. (laughs) My sister, I tried to shake her hand in first service. She said, no, we don't do, we don't do handshakes. I said, oh, sis. And then she hugs you, kisses you with her lipstick and you get lipstick. These are nurturers. These are Johns. These are people who seek you out when you can't find yourself. You need them. You need, you need, <laughs> you need James's in your life. James is a guardian. James is a champion of purpose. James is the first apostle to be martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was committed to purpose. Committed to purpose. He's like, no, no, we're going all the way. We're going all the way. We're all the way in. We're committed to this thing. We're not turning around. We're not going back. We're going on, even if it costs us our life, we're gonna commit to what God has called us to do. You need people like that who look at you and say, hey, listen, get out of your emotions. Get out of your emotions. You got a purpose for your life. You got, there's a plan that God has for you. We're, I'm gonna guard that plan and I'm gonna guard that purpose. And you need a Peter in your life. A Peter is a guardian of, of the faith. Peter is a guardian of the faith. He's a champion of faith. Peter is the type of person that Jesus looks at and says, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You need somebody when you get a bad report says, this isn't the end of you. This isn't a death sentence. You need somebody when you get divorced is like, no, this isn't, the, this isn't the final chapter to your story. You need somebody when something happens in your life that's catastrophic, they come into your life and say, no, God's got a better plan for you. God's got a hope and a future for you. This is not the end of your story. There are more chapters to be written for your life. You need these relations. And Jesus himself, surrounded himself with these types of people, relationally. Anytime you feel like retreating into loneliness, it's because God actually wants you to pursue relationship. You need to pursue relationships. Father, in Jesus' name, I wanna thank you for relationships that are in this room right now. I wanna thank you that you're strengthening them. I wanna thank you that you're opening up new doors of opportunity in relationship. I wanna thank you, God, for the Peter, for the James, for the John, in our lives. I want to thank you for these men and women who are a challenge and a strength and a guardian and a nurturer and a a champion of faith in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen? Come on, I'm going to encourage you as you leave this place, lean into relationship. I know sometimes we got to rush out, and I understand the traffic is crazy out there, but on your way out, if you see somebody in the parking lot, you see somebody as you're walking out, and they they look by themselves, 
Say, hey, you want to go to lunch today? If you're lonely today, just walk up to a family. And and if they get mad, just say, hey, God, the word says it. He sets the solitary in families. I'm looking for a family. You guys want to feed me today? Is that cool? See, that's, we are the family of God. Come on. I love you. God bless you. See you soon. If you need prayer, we've got a prayer team up front who'd love to meet you and talk with you.